Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Dealing with number 20, as a matter of fact, our study on biblical language in Numbers, this is going to be part number 14. But today we are dealing with number 20, and I will touch 21, then we we'll move to number 30. Uh, like I said before, I'm going to take all the whole numbers after now. So we will deal with number 20, then we'll go to number 30, but I'll just give you some bit on number 21. And then we're going to progress into... Uh, 40, 50, 60, or true to 100. I'm just going to jump the numbers so that we can finish up with this series that we're dealing with. So number 20. What is the spiritual significance of this number? You just understand that number 20 is just a number after 19. And you know what 19 stands for? Complete judgment. Remember that? Yeah. Complete and perfect judgment of God. That's number 19. And so 20 is just a number beyond 19. And so 20 also could stand for perfect or complete waiting period. A waiting season. Hallelujah. The period you're waiting. That's number 20. It's a waiting period, a waiting moment, season you are waiting. Now, if you take time to read the book of Genesis, chapter 31, maybe we'll just take a few scriptures there, but the basic thing is you find that Jacob had to wait for 20 years to be able to get all of his properties from the house of Laban. You got to spend 20 years in the house of Laban to be able to get the wives, the two wives, children, whatever, or the properties, all that was supposed to come to him. He has to wait 20 years in the house of Laban. So let's just take a reading from Genesis 31, verse number 1. And uh, scripture says, And he had the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob had taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's has he gotten all his glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not towards him as before. That's the countenance changed because now he's gotten what? And the Bible says, And Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And the Bible said, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock, and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not towards me as before, but the God of my father have been with me. Can I hear an amen to that? It's, it's something you need to come into when I use the word, or when the scripture said, The God of my fathers. You know, we, we have the blessings of the fathers, and this is because. The blessing of Abraham passed unto Isaac, passed unto Jacob, and as many as have come to believe. Remember, Abraham is a father of faith, 
And as many as are coming to Christ, they are the seeds of Abraham. How many of you remember that? Book of Galatians. So when we talk about the blessings of our fathers, you need to understand that. Your faith must take you to that level at which you begin to enjoy or come into the inheritance of that blessing. Because what made Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to prosper was simply the blessing that God gave to Abraham. Is that okay? And so here Jacob is saying the blessing of my fathers. And so it's very important that we pick that. Praise the Lord. So the blessing of my fathers and the fathers have been with me. And so we find here, if you can stop here, you go down, you read all of those stories. We see here that Jacob patiently waited for the wives and property to be freed from the control of Laban, his father-in-law. And that was 20 years period. You see? So 20 is a waiting period where perhaps you're waiting for all that the Lord has promised you or all that you are laboring for, all that will come to fruition, to manifestation, all of your blessings, if you will. So it's 20 years, which has to do with a waiting period. Now, if you read Judges chapter 4 and 5, the two chapters, you will not be able to read that. We see that Israel waited to be freed of the oppressive bondage of Jabin, the king of Canaan, to which God now raised Deborah and Barak as a response to the cry. Jabin, who was the king of Canaan, oppressed them, you know, for 20 years. They were there in the bondage and were crying to the Lord. And in response to that cry, God sent Deborah and Barak. Through which ministries or judgment they were able to deliver themselves from the bondage of Gabin. So, like I'm saying, 20 is a waiting period. And that's the primary thing you got to know about number 20. Amen? There are other things and we are attached to it. Uh, let's read a few things again. Um, for instance, if you look at 4 Samuel, uh, chapters 5 and 7, or 5, 6, 7 in the book of 4 Samuel Israel had to wait for 20 years before the ark that was taken by the Philistines was finally returned when they got to Kirajarim it was in Kirajarim for 7 years right? before he moved down to the house of Obedondon and all of that now, it took 20 years after, remember Ichabod, that's when the ark was captured by the Philistines. Remember the story, right? Okay. Now, by the time they returned the ark, it has to wait for 20 years before David finally moved it. So if you find the book of 4 Samuel, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7, you'll be able to get the story, what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. So again, I said, 20 is a waiting period for certain things to come into manifestation. Now, this thing could be prophetic. The waiting period, as determined by God, may perhaps be just three years or four years. It doesn't necessarily have to be 20 years. It depends on what God wants to do. But 
understand number 20 to mean a waiting period. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you following? And so, again, that will give us something that if we understand, for instance, the Lord is speaking to us and giving us number 20, He might just be speaking to us about the spirit of patience. Just be patient. Because the period, anytime you're waiting, you are patiently waiting. Are you done with me? Right. So one of the things that comes out of this number 20 is patient. You're waiting, patiently waiting, for the appointed time, for the right time. So if God begins to speak to you, I'll give you some revelation that brothers on number 20, that you know God is only trying to teach you patience. You've got to be able to be patient to wait for the appointed time, for the season that God has ordained for certain things to come to pass in your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Is anybody here with me tonight? Okay. Let's look at the book of 1 Kings chapter 9 and verse number 10 and verse 11. 1 Kings chapter 9, 10 and 11. Praise the Lord. 1 Kings 10 and 11. And the Bible says, Praise the Lord. 10 and 11. Right. And it came to pass at the end of 20 years when Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord and the king's house. Right? And then, now Haran, the king of Tyre, had furnished Solomon with cedar trees and fire trees and with gold, according to all his desire. That then King Solomon gave Haran 20 cedars in the land of Galilee. So now, you find that it took Solomon 20 years to build his house and to build God's house. Is that okay? Right. So it's like a waiting period as well to be able to complete this thing for them to come into use. And uh, you must remember, Solomon spent seven years building God's house and he spent 13 years building his own house. I'm sure you remember that. Praise the living God. Hallelujah. And then here we'll find that he gave 20 cities to the king of Tyre, Hiram, because of the support that he also gave to him. Just looking at number 20. Praise the Lord. All right. Okay, so the next thing we'll find that I'm just trying to give you some scriptures that relate to the primary thing I've told you is the word wait. But some scriptures that talks about 20 is what I'm trying to analyze for you. If you look at Genesis 18 verse 31, you find that Genesis 18 verse 31 and he said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak. Now Abraham is speaking concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. Peradventure, there shall be twenty found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for twenty sake. So here we find that number twenty is also speaking here in relation to Abraham's request before God. If I can find twenty people, I will save Sodom and Gomorrah. Praise the Lord. All right. 
Now, if you look at Judges chapter 15, verse 20 and 16:31, we may not have time to read all of that again. You find that Samson judged Israel for 20 years. Now, by signed about the time he was done with his judgment, peace will be reigning, or whatever the case may be. But remember, any time you read the book of Judges, you see a major principle playing out. And what's that principle? Deliverance bondage. Deliverance bondage. Any time God delivers them from the hands of the enemy, sooner than later they go back into idolatry, and then God brings them into bondage. So. This is the thing you see all through. Deliverance, bondage, deliverance, bondage. Now, when Samson judged Israel, it's to deal with the Philistines as well. And then he judged Israel for 20 years. In other words, he was ruling Israel for 20 years. Praise the Lord. Are we there? Okay. Now, if you look at the book of Hebrews, if you read through the book of Hebrews, for instance, we have over 20 different names and titles of Jesus Christ. Over 20 names and titles of Jesus Christ. That if you go through the book of Hebrews. Alright, so. The truth is the number carries a lot of meaning. As it were. But this is the primary thing that you need to pick from that number. Which is what? Waiting period. And that waiting period teaches you patience. You should be patient. And, and one of the major characteristics of God, or the nature of God, is patient. I mean, if you remember that, is patient. You see, even Jesus demonstrated a lot of that of spirit as a character, as a nature. And we as believers, that is something that we need to learn. Something we need to imbibe. As a matter of fact, patience is one of the fruits of the spirit. I mean, if you remember that. Yeah, Galatians 5. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. So we must learn to be patient with people, learn to be patient with system, and that is actually number 20. One of the major fruits of that number is patience. Ability to wait for the right time, the right season, and to do the right thing at the right time. That's number 20. Are we okay? So let me just touch a bit of number 21, and then um, I'll go to number 30. Number 21. Number 21 speaks of rebellion and sin. Praise the Lord. If you take time to study, you find that the children of Israel, the rebel against God in the wilderness, after they left Egypt 21 times, Number 21 speaks of rebellion. It speaks of sin. So the children of Israel rebelled against God in the wilderness when they left Egypt 21 times. And so if God is trying to convict you sometimes of rebellion, what it does is to give to you number 21. Just to tell you Either you are in rebellion, or you are walking into rebellion, or come out of rebellion. Praise the Lord. 21 speaks of rebellion and sin. Praise the Lord. 
The drowning of the Egyptians at the Red Sea happened on the 21st of the month of Nisan. When the Red Sea closed them up. That was the 21st of the month of Nisan. Was they left Egypt. Amen? Now, if you take time to read through the book of 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you find that the total number of sin mentioned against Jeroboam are 21. Get this fact right. 21 speaks of what? Rebellion and sin. What is number 20? Anybody? Anybody? Number 20? Waiting period. We translate into what? Patient. If you're not patient enough, you're going to a rebellion. Which is number 21. You see, children of Israel, God already told them. He's taking them to a promised land, filled with milk and honey. All of that he promised them. They move into the wilderness and the next thing they begin to rebel against God. We need water to drink. We want to eat cucumber and all of those things. They were not patient enough to follow God as he was taking them through the wilderness. So when you miss number 20, the next thing you encounter is what? 21. And that is what? Rebellion. Did you get that? Praise the Lord. How did Jeroboam commit all of those things that he committed, if you will? It was God that told him when he tore his garment, gave him ten pieces, and left two for Jeroboam, that God has given him the ten tribes of Israel to rule over. But you see, he was not patient. And one of the things that led to impatience in the life of Jeroboam was the spirit of anxiety and fear of losing the ten tribes. I don't know if you're getting this. Spirit of anxiety and fear made him to lose, I mean, I don't want to lose the ten tribes. So what's the next thing he was doing? He was setting up idols everywhere. And the reason he gave is so that people don't go to Jerusalem. He felt he will lose the ten tribes. They might probably go back to Rehoboam. But guess what? It was God that gave you these ten tribes. You never prayed for it. You never asked for it. Why live under anxiety to lose what God has given to you? So now that translates to what? Impatient. And so he moved from number 20. Instead of being patient with God. And he entered into what? Number 21. Which is what? Rebellion and sin. And that's exactly how so many of our walk. That's how we live. We are not patient with God to do what he wants to do. Praise the Lord. We violate number 20 and progress into number 21. Praise the Lord. This shows how Israel, talking of rebellion of Jeroboam, first king, second king, how Isaac unto disobey God despite the length of time 
He gave to them to repent. God always gave them time to repent, but they would never, never do that. And God was always patient with them. Now, it's like saying God was now working on 20 while they were on 21. But you know what happened? Because when this 21 matures, the next thing, you're going into judgment. Where God allows enemies to come into your life. Is anybody getting this? If he's patient with you in number 20 and you progress to number 21 on your own, he still maintain time to allow you to come back. But when that is not done, the next thing, when 21 matures, <laughs> praise the living God, the enemies come in and take over. You get into bondage. So sometimes, the things we suffer that are connected to the fact that we violate number 20 and we're walking in number 21, which is rebellion and sin. Praise the living God. Now, if you watch what happened to the of Israel, that was a kind of rebellion against constituted authority, against the divine arrangement of God for their lives. And so you also begin to see. That when God gives you specific times and season to work with him and you decide to violate that, you end up in a situation where ordinarily you're not going to be happy with because you get into bondage. Praise the Lord. Are we here? In 2 Timothy 3, reading from verse number 1, Paul mentioned 21 sins. 21. 2 Timothy 3, verse number 1. You try to analyze 21 sin. I think we're going to read that. Alright, praise the Lord. This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Now, the perilous times, can you please pull this either NIV or any other translation? Because we misinterpret this. A lot of the body of Christ, people of the body of Christ, they misinterpret that, talking about the time, they will tell you we are in the perilous time. No. The perilous time have nothing to do with the world. Can I get that from a simpler translation if you can? If you read it from either NIV or the Living Bible, you discover that perilous time is talking about what will happen in the Christian community. It's not talking about what happened in the world. Praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know if this one will give you. Okay, go to verse 2. Let me see if you're going to be able to pick it. People will be lovers of themselves. But you see, if you look at it from the, the New Living Trans, this New Living Translation, but if you take it from the uh, Living Bible, it will tell you Christians. The word people there is not talking about people in the world. It's talking about believers. Praise the Lord. Good. Alright, if you want us, we can read through this, if you will. People will love us on themselves, one, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse number three, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good. And the next thing he said, treacherous people, rash, rash decision, Conceited, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. 
And verse number 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying his power. Having nothing to do with such people, if you will. If you go through all of those things that Paul was talking about, that are actually going to happen in household of faith, not in the world, they are 21. Did you understand that? So, you go back again and let's look at it a little bit. And then search yourself. If you are into any of those things, and then you think about that. Go back to verse 2. And then we'll read it again. I'm saying, this is what Scripture says is going to be happening in the household of faith. To believers. It was not a message to the world. Hallelujah. People will be lovers of themselves. We have already been saying that. Lovers of money. Now, you must understand, getting money is not a problem. The love of money is a problem. The love of money is the root of all evil. It's not getting money that is a problem, no. Praise the Lord. Boastful people. Proud and abusive. And it's all of these things, they are against or contrary to the very nature of the Holy Spirit. Are you there with me? Right. Disobedient to their parents. Characteristics that Christians are going to be exhibiting. And that's what they call perilous times. Perilous times is not walls, Boko Haram. That is not perilous time. Perilous time is the character of people that are going to be living at a particular time. Are you with me? So when you read perilous time in the King James, the mindset of every believer, oh man, now the Bible talks about perilous time. We are not in the perilous time. No. It's talking about the attitude of people towards others, relationship they can maintain, loving themselves, loving money, very proud people, rash in decision making, no self-control, meekness is gone, thrown through the window, gentleness is flying away through the door. All of those things speaks of what they call perilous times. Praise the living God. A time where people no longer respect authority, respect parents. So go to verse number 3 again. And it says, without natural affection. No, use the NIV. Makes it a little bit simpler. Praise the Lord. Without love. Unforgiven. Slanderous people. Without self-control. Self-control. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, sometimes when you talk about self-control, what will come to your mind is maybe lose living. But you know that you can exhibit lack of self-control with food. Huh? Praise the living God. We have, you must be able to apply this thing. Self-control goes around all facets of daily living. 
Then he talks about brutal, not lovers of the good. So all of these things speaks about there are 21 characteristics of rebellious people, if I may use the word, Christians. And he calls that the last day. Now you must understand that the last day, help me Lord, have nothing to do with what people call the end of the world. The last day has always been right from when the Holy Spirit came down. It's the last day between Judaism and Christianity. Last day is not some days to come. If I John we say this is the last day. Peter will say this is the last day as spoken by Prophet Joel. Have you read that? The last day is not in. You go to the book of Genesis 49, which was the very first place that the word last day was used. You realize that Isaac, I mean Jacob was prophesying about the children and said, This was gonna happen to the last day. What last day was he talking about? That's the very first time the word last day was used. So last day is not talking about maybe the world is coming to an end. Oh, science of the last day. Anything happens, science of the last day. You see people, you know, the rituals or science of the last day. That's my Bible. Hallelujah. Come on, are you there with me? So if you really want to look for the science of the last day, this is science of the last day. If you're looking for science of the last day, here is it. When men begin to exhibit all of these characters. Praise the living God. Amen. Look at that. Genesis 49. Did you see that? And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourself together that I may tell you that which shall befall you when? When? So was he talking about your time? You see that? Was he talking about your day? No. Is any of the, the 12 sons still alive? <laughs> Praise God. You see what I mean? So last day have nothing to do with anything you see now. It has always been there. It's always a period and a season and a time that God has alerted for certain things to happen. So when the Holy Spirit came down the little Pentecost, that was the last day between Judaism and the new season. And guess what? The day you were born into God's kingdom, that's your last day between the wall and the new blade you have been entered into. Is that okay? Come on, are you with me? Alright, so you could go there, study all of those things so that you don't begin to bear the signs of the last day uh, so that we can just move on to something else. Amen? Are you there with me? Good. Okay. So, those are the primary things you find in relation to what did I say? Number 21. Is that okay? Hello? Good. So, these are the things you see when you talk about number 21. We're talking about spirit of rebellion, spirit of disobedience, all of those things. And so, Israel rebelled against God 21 times. Jeroboam, you know, committed 21 sins in rebelling against God. God have to wait. So, don't miss the point. 20 is what? Patient. 21 is what? Rebellion. Patient, you move out of patient, you go into rebellion. Now, you see what happened to Saul in the Bible, isn't it? Right. 
That's a practical demonstration of number 21. Missing number 20. What, what, what happened? Remember, Samuel was going to come, but he was not patient enough to wait for Samuel to come. Did you get that? So he missed number 20. He went into sacrifices. And when Samuel came, what did he tell him? God is not interested in all the sacrifices as compared to what? Obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And you can't get into obedience without first experiencing what I call patience. From verse 20. I mean chapter 20. Or number 20 rather. Praise the Lord. Are we here? Are you getting anything? You see, I'm saying this thing so that when you walk in life and maybe other dreams or vision, God begins to speak to you, you should be able to know what God is saying. You should be able to understand what God is saying. Primarily, you see, I've only been emphasizing this and it's good you understand it. You are not a believer because you're going to heaven tomorrow. That is not the excess. That is not the primary thing. A believer, you're a Christian because the ultimate end of your faith is God. It's the restoration of father and son relationship that was broken through Adam. That's why a child of God. Amen? Good. And so God intends you to walk in obedience. He intends you to walk in submission to his will and to his dictate. You walk in obedience to all that instructing you. And what am I trying to say? You can't be a child of God and you don't hear God for yourself telling you certain things. Directing you, instructing you, guiding you. Either through the word or spoken words. Praise the living God. It's so important you understand this. So vitally important you understand this. You see, in, in Matthew 25, Jesus was talking about what will happen when he separates the nations. And he said, you put the sheep on the right hand side, you put the goats on the left hand side. Have, have you remember that? When he separates the nations. Alright? In terms of judgment. So what is that supposed to mean to you? It means there are two classes of people. All through the scriptures. Is that Cain and Abel? Jacob and Esau? They just go around the scriptures. Two nations that were in the womb of Rebekah. Always, all the time. Praise the Lord. So what's the next thing that you find there? You follow that precisely, you begin to find that you're either going to be a Jacob or you're going to be an Esau. And what is that supposed to mean again? A sheep and goat. So you don't have any other animal in the scripture that describes the character of people. Sheep and goat. Right? Now, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. They know me and I know them. And the voice of stranger, they will not follow. You see what I mean? So therefore, you can't be a believer for this long time and you don't hear God giving you instructions or directive on what to do. And so these things I'm teaching you helps you when God begins to speak to you. Right? Praise the Lord. Somebody called me or sent me a message today. And he said, I saw myself in labor. 
are brought forth with ease, and the child have black, long hair. Little baby. I don't know what it stands for. If I ask you now, what will you tell me for those of us in this hall? We've been following my teachings. Can anybody volunteer an interpretation to that? Somebody gave birth to a baby and the baby has long hair. Can somebody give me interpretation to that? He said, this is why, I mean, how you need to study these things and understand. And I've already been saying it. One of the reasons why, even as pastors, we don't study, we don't have certain things within our fingertips is because people don't ask us questions. Hair actually speaks of life, remember that? Long hair portrays life priesthood. I don't know that. You see, Samson had long hair, which was his life, and because he was a Nazareth, a Nazareth Adullah consecrated to God as priests. Very simple. So now, this individual already knows, by the time I finish interpreting, already knows who this child is going to be. And it's like, was the mother, I mean, the angel told the mother of Samson, this child is going to be a Nazareth. Therefore, don't take strong drink. If I have to tell Samson the kind of thing, I mean, the mother, she must not eat or take in because of the child. Did you get that? These are revelations. I don't know how many of you still dream. And maybe you think God is done with dreaming. No. So these people now will be able to take care of this child without understanding that this child is like a Nazareth unto God. You understand what I'm saying? Praise the Lord. Okay, so far with number 21. So, let me go now to number 20. I mean, number 30. What are many minutes? Number 30. 26, March 26, verse 14. 26, verse number 14. I'm dealing with 30 now. Then one of the twelve called Judas Iscariot went unto the chief priest and said unto him, unto them, What will you give me? And I will deliver him unto you. Talking about Jesus now. And they covenanted with him for what? Thirty pieces of silver. Did you get that? How many pieces of silver? Thirty. What is silver? You should be able to tell me I've taught you on metals in this place. I mean, of this, remember. I taught you on iron, gold, silver, bronze, wood. You've forgotten. Okay. Good. <laughs> if you don't use this thing in your daily living, even as you read the scriptures, uh, that means you just... Uh, how do I put it? 
But what is gold? Anybody has an idea what gold is? Divine nature. God bless you. What about bronze? <laughs> oh, they miss it. Okay, what about silver? Silver speaks of redemption. Bronze is bondage. Huh? Praise the Lord. Just like brass, construction, and so God talks about opening the gates of brass. So here we find that the value, I mean, it's like say Jesus suffered and shed his precious blood as God's sacrificial lamb for the world sin in AD 30. We didn't win number 30. Why is it connected to Siva? Because we didn't win redemption. And so when Job talks about plenty of Siva, book of Job, we're talking about continuous redemption in our realms. Praise the Lord. Can you see this? So Siva is connected to this betrayer because it's dealing with redemption. And how many pieces do you find there? 30 pieces. Now if you look at the book of Ezekiel chapter 1 verse number 1. You'll be able to see Ezekiel chapter 1 verse number 1. We said, Hallelujah. Can you get Ezekiel 1 verse 1? It only talks about when uh, now it came to pass on the 13th year, on the fourth month, and the fifth day of this of the month, as I was among the captive by the river carried in that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. These visions of God actually came to Ezekiel, you know, in the 30th year. He got his vision of God. That's when he received this and recorded this vision. And this vision basically is known as the will between the wheels. So let's read down and I'll show you. Verse 2. In the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, and verse 3 says, The word of the Lord came expressly unto Ezekiel, priest, the son of Buzah, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Chaldean, and the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And verse 4 says, And I looked, and behold, a wild wind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire unfolding itself, and a brightness was about in and out of the midst thereof, as a color of amber, just like a rumble now, out of the midst of the re- of the fire. And the next thing it says, And out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was the appearance. You just don't read them. Then you come to the place talk about the will within the will. Praise the living God. Amen. Alright. The likeness of a man, that of a lion, all of this speaks of the, the various manifestation of the faces of Jesus. So, but anyhow, this vision came unto him, 
right at the very time which of the tete here. We're talking about number tete. Praise the Lord. Okay. Again in Genesis 18 verse 30, dealing with the issue of Sodom, I'm just trying to give you some places where I appear. Then I'll give you significance of number 30 again. Remember, if you look through the scripture, we have 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. How many of you understand that? Huh? Yeah. Fruit level. Genesis 18 verse 30. The Bible says Abraham was to save Sodom and Gomorrah again. The Bible says if he find 30 people, 30 righteous. From 20, he came to 30. Right? Praise the Lord. Okay. Just go with me to Judges chapter 10, verse number 3. Judges 10, verse number 3. Judges 10, verse number 3. And after him arose Jael, a Gileadite, and judged Israel twenty and two years. It's twenty-two. And he had thirty sons. This is a king that rode on thirty ascals, and they had thirty cities, which are called Havichia unto this day, which are in the land of Gilead. Now, this this shows how wealthy this king was. He has thirty sons, all of them were riding on horses. So it's like you have 30 children and every one of them had a private jet. <laughs> you understand that? Come on, are you with me? Right. Everybody Jesus rode on the donkey. That was never been used by anybody. That was the highest means of transportation in that time. So for your son to ride on 30 carts, that shows you're wealthy. And he had 30 sons. Now, in Judges 12, verse 8, the Bible says, After him is Zan of Bethlehem, judge Israel. It's another, another king. And he had 30 sons, and 30 daughters, whom he sent abroad, and took in their daughters from abroad for his sons, and he judged Israel seven years. Number 30. It's another king, 30 sons, 30 daughters, 30 son-in-laws. That's a whole huge family. <laughs> I don't know if I get what I'm saying here. Amen. So, let's go to the most practical aspect of number 30. Uh, as it could relate to maybe our lives. But the first one I mentioned is very important, which speaks about redemption. So if God begins to show you number 30 also, two things. Let me give you the second thing primarily. Number 30 speaks of dedication to service. And maturity into priesthood. Number 30. Dedication to service and maturity into priesthood. And so, look at Numbers chapter 4 verse number 1. Numbers chapter 4, verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and said unto Aaron, saying, Take the sum of the sons of Korah from among the sons of Levi, after their families, by the house of their fathers. Verse 3. From 30 years old, 
and upward, even unto 50 years old, all that enter into the host, to do the work in the tabernacle of the congregation. Did you get that? From 30 years old, don't recruit anybody to walk in the temple that's below 30. As a matter of fact, below 30 doesn't go to war in Israel. So it speaks of maturity, dedication, and service. Are you there with me? Why do you think God has to choose number 30 for the recruitment of those to serve in the temple and to do the service unto the Lord? Because 30 actually speaks of when men have come to the place of both physical and mental maturity and could therefore handle major responsibilities. Somebody who is 30 years old can be time to be somebody who is matured, that can handle responsibilities emotionally and physically. I think this is why people say a fool at 40 is a fool forever. <laughs> because at 30 you should be matured enough emotionally and physically to handle responsibilities. Are you with me? Now you should understand that everybody that's coming into this place are more or less leaders. Like we're going to see. You know, Jesus entered into ministry at the age of 30. Am I right? Why do you think Adam is right out of 30? Because that was not when he started ministry. He started ministry at the age of 12. His disciples were already with him at the age of 12. But public ministry, he has to wait. Number 20 now. Until he gets to the age of 30 before he can launch into a full-time ministry, which is not public ministry. But before now, Right from the age of 12, he already had the disciples going along with him. And we know that the oldest man among them was Peter, who was 18 years, was senior to Jesus. Maybe that's one of the reasons he was always bold in talking. <laughs> he was 18 years old, older than all of the disciples of Jesus Christ. But Jesus will not go into full-time ministry because the law says, Are you still with me? No man below the age of 30 should go into the service of the Lord. That's one of the reasons Jesus had to wait until 30 years of age. But that is not when he started ministry. He started ministry at the age of 12. With 12 disciples. Speaking also of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Are we still here? And so, if God is trying to, for instance, speak to you in relation to number 30, either by figure or by dreams, whatever the case may be, what do you think he's talking to you about? I just mentioned two things. Dealing with the issue of redemption and dealing with the issue of maturity. 
So he might be asking you to get matured in what you are doing. He might be making you to see that he needs you to specific services unto him as a priest. Hello. <laughs> are you getting that? That's number 30. He's calling you to himself. He wants to make use of you. He's saying it's about time. Okay, let me show you something again. Luke 3 verse 23. Luke 3 verse 23. For 30 years old and upward. What is that? Okay, sorry. The Bible says, And he came into all the country about Jordan preaching the baptism. What are we doing? Praise the Lord. Luke 3 23. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being as was supposed, the son of Joseph, which was the son of Hal. Is that okay? Right. Now, that is Jesus' public ministry, that's what I'm trying to say. Praise the Lord. Right. And remember, when he entered the water, the dove came and the voice came, this my beloved son, whom I well please, I told you, that was his consecration or public declaration of his priesthood ministry. In other words, as a prophet. And then on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the voice came, that was his declaration as a priest. And Hebrews chapter 1 was a declaration as a king. So he was a prophet, priest, and king. That's the three times the voice came. This is my beloved son, woman, well please. Praise the Lord. So Jesus began public ministry at the age of 30 in the fall of AD 26. His ministry lasted for three and a half years. Joseph was 30 years old when Pharaoh placed him in charge of Egypt to rule. He was 30 years of age. That's Joseph, like a type of Jesus. In 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse number 5, verse 4. 2 Samuel 5 verse 4 David was 30 years old when he began to rule and he reigned for 40 years 2 Samuel chapter 4 I mean chapter 5 verse number 4 David was 30 years old Joseph was 30 years old Jesus was 30 years old when they all came into place of authority so 30 stands for the sacrificial blood of Jesus as he was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And when we read that in Matthew 26, it was fulfilling of Zechariah 11, 12, and 13. So can we go to Zechariah 12 and 13? The book of Zechariah, chapter 11, 12, and 13. Praise the Lord. Are we here? And I said unto them, If you think good, give me my priest, my prize, and if not, forbear. So they waved for my prize 30 pieces of silver. This was prophetic of what Judas did. Judas is carried. Look at verse 13. And the Lord said unto me, Cause it unto the porters, and a godly prize. I was prized out of them and I took 30 pieces of silver 
and cast them to the porter in the house of the Lord. Mighty 26 were just fulfilling Zacharias 20, I mean 11, 12 and 13. Praise the living God. Are you still with me? So, this is all about the issue of number 30. And like I said before, Jesus talks about those who bring how many fold? 30 fold, 60 fold, 100 fold. Is that okay? Come on, are you with me? Now you see, if you look at the tabernacle, the altar called the middle called the most holy place. The altar called is 30 fold. The middle called is 60 fold. The most holy place is what? 100 fold. God's journey is that you move from 30 to 60 and then to what? 100. The 30 fold is just, you, you just claiming to be a believer if you will. But you've not started experiencing who God is. Because the full experience of God, which has to do with the 12 loaves, they are right where? The 12 loaves, the 12 candlesticks, seven candlesticks, they are right where? In the middle parts. You don't come into the place of revelations until you move into the middle courts. The outer court just speaks about you just confessing Jesus. And this is why I keep on saying this to every one of us. The Bible tells you here that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abound at the shadow of the Almighty. I mean, have you ever read that? And I said the secret place is the hundredfold realm. It's the most holy place. And so scripture we say, the sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. Where does the sun smite people? Thirty-fold realm. Because in the tabernacle, the thirty-fold, the only thing you see there is the brazen altar where they sacrifice the animal. So that's your initial level of salvation. And there is no protection there. Because you see, Help me, Lord Jesus. You see the tabernacle, the covering of the tabernacle was only the holy and the most holy place. The outer court was not covered. So the sun touches it, the moon touches it, the rain, anything, or bad weather. And so if your experience of Christianity is still on the outer court, then you're going to be experiencing bad weathers. What kills the unbeliever kills you. That is 30 foot realm. But when you move on to the, the holy place, you begin to experience the menorah. Hallelujah. The light, the glory, the effulgence of God's glory of the seven candlesticks, you begin to experience those in partake of the twelve loaves, becoming an experience and the fullness of God's kingdom as the light of God. And you progress into the most holy place. You become one with God, ultimately. That's where you put on the full divine nature. So 34 is just sacrificial. And that is why you see Jesus was prized for 30 pieces of silver at the court. Are you with me? So I, if I ask you, what fruit are you bearing now? I don't know. You can tell yourself, are you a 34 gram believer or you're not 
sixty-fold, or you are progressing into a hundredfold. You can say that yourself. But you should be able to know. Your experience will tell you where you are. So 34 is just simply Passover. Passover is not Canaan. Are you still there? You are just living Egypt. You are not even entered the middle of, of the wilderness yet. You have not even parted the Red Sea yet. That's Passover. You see that? And so when you get to the wilderness, manna begins to come. That's what I'm talking about. All those loaves that you find in the middle court. When you move beyond that to the other side, God becomes your source. The Lord is my portion. Praise the living God. What have I shared with you tonight? 20. What is 20? Patient. Waiting period. Is that okay? 21 is what? Rebellion. Disobedience. Sin. What is 30? Anybody? Hallelujah. Are you still there with me? I just need you to get these things, please. I need you to understand what I'm dealing with. I need you to understand what I'm saying in all of these things. So that your experiences with God will be a transforming one that translates you from glory to glory. Don't, don't take the Bible study to be just another moment of you know, coming together. No! It's something that brings transformation to your life. If you ask me, I love Bible study more than Sunday service. Why? Because of my experiences. In the things I discover in the course of Bible studies. You understand that? Are you with me? Praise the living God. So friends, I need you to go back home, meditate on these things, and understand that one thing that is ultimately been fulfilled and have been fulfilled in your life is the 34 dream. You bought in Passover and needed to progress. Onto 64th, you need to move on onto 104th. Because at the 34th realm, the sun will smile, the, the rain, the moon. I mean, even the arrow that are shot at the noonday will catch up with you at the 34th realm. But if you move on to the 64th, you are covered with the badger skin that was used to cover the tabernacle. That's a free realm. Where you begin to experience and fellowship with the Spirit of the Father. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.